and welcome back to the Football Index podcast, episode 106, 106 of the Figcast. Today I'm joined by a returning guest, FI Investor. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, all good, all good. Hope you're, how, how are you doing? You're all good your end? Yeah, all good. Um, there was some nasty flus going around the office at oh. kind of, that kind of time and we've just moved office into like a bigger one and the the aircon's all messed up and and all that jazz so it's it's not been the easiest place yeah. to acclimatize time of the year now where leggies are getting passed around how about you how have you been faring since you last came on why don't you remind listeners a bit about yourself and and what your fi journey has been like yeah yeah so uh kind of recapping a little bit from the previous podcast you know, i signed up to football index around around this time 2017 ish i think it is um yeah so coming up to a couple of years um very much kind of focus on the the pb side of things i bought into the whole dividend earning route to uh, slowly getting rich and if anyone kind of remembers the podcast that I did previously the moral of the story was that football index for me is a, it's a slow burner uh, patient approach and yeah been on the index and it's been growing fast and uh, going back to the podcast that I did before I think it was just before summer and I think my summer strategy was to kind of sit out the whole transfer shenanigans and just be patient, split my summer money up into uh, small chunks, um, invest into kind of the PB players. And here we are today. I did mention as well that I was quite adamant that there's going to be a div increase at some point before the end of the year, probably come a, s- a little bit sooner than what I had expected. And I'm kind of glad now that I look back at my chart or, or my, on my spreadsheet, my profit chart and portfolio value. And if you look at kind of summer, it's just all flat. And I kind of just stood on the side, invested into PB players. And over the last, well, see, since the season's kicked off, um, a huge spike. I'm kind of glad that I stuck to that strategy, albeit... You know, I didn't want to get involved in something I'm not comfortable in, which is the whole transfer, trading transfers and media. Um, I'm kind of glad that I stuck on the side. But yeah, no, it's all really, really good. All the recent news has all been positive. And I think it was just a case of it's always just, just constantly growing. So yeah, no, it's all good this end in terms of portfolio and growth. Amazing. It's good to hear that you stuck to your guns and you've been rewarded, which is very satisfying indeed. We're also joined by a debutant today, Nick from the Index Gain community and also Nick LFC on Twitter. Yeah, hello. It's uh, it's strange to be on um, after so long sort of listening to the well, best part of 60 or so episodes. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. 60 isn't good enough. Come <laughs> but- on, mate. You got, you've got to go all the way back, right? So, uh, I genuinely joined sort of um, back end of the World Cup and watched a few videos on YouTube and sort of went from there. Really started listening to the podcasts and, and trying to pick it up. Uh, didn't really have too much Amazing, man. to start with and now it seems to have yeah spiralled a little bit. <laughs> Taking a life on its own, hasn't it? Why don't you tell people a bit about your football index journey? You mentioned there that you joined in that World Cup boom. How was it? come up until this point a year or so in how are you feeling very good to be honest um it took me quite a while to get my head around everything um to understand how the market works and functions and um i've never never traded before or anything like that i've just you know the 10 pound acre here and there and i've never really done any trading or anything like that so it took me a while to get my head around that side of things even though i've sort of watched a lot of football played a lot of football um 
and you know knew the football side of things it, it took some getting my head around the the market side of things and the aim was really I'm getting married in May so it was just a bit of extra money to go, go on the honeymoon or whatever it might be to do something extra that you wouldn't, actually, you wouldn't <laughs> usually do nice nice it's great to hear but yeah you've come this far and hopefully by the time you get on your honeymoon it would be maybe that 10-20% nicer because of uh, some FI money play. right <laughs> upgrade to first class missus would be impressed <laughs> and then the classic FI photo on Twitter thanks FI for all the uh, all yeah, the money well, you right you haven't actually made the money unless you do that yeah. sort of picture and, and post have you yeah well withdrawing's the first part isn't it <laughs> at some point that'll have to happen yeah <laughs> brilliant brilliant well um yeah a lot of you guys have been submitting reviews to the podcast recently which is great to see and i'm going to read one out here from fi gold and you'll know why i'll read it out by the end of it he says the original and best football index podcast i learned the ropes listening to the back catalogue and this remains my monday a.m commute go-to the community and fi towers owe you muchos pintos I think that's translation for much pints or many pints. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for all your efforts and here's to the next 100. So yeah, if, if you spot me in London or if you want to go have a beer, let me know. If that's the thank you that's required, I'll take it. We've had a beer together as well, haven't we, FI Investor? So Yeah, yeah. From the meetups, from the index game meetups, yeah. Yeah, so uh, yeah, if you guys are willing to take me out on a beer, good stuff. If not, you can leave a review. That would be really uh, appreciated as well. Five stars if you can. And if you are looking to go that extra bit further or probably should be your, your priority really head over to Trustpilot and give FI themselves a, a five star review and give them a five star review or rating on Google as well that helps them out a lot and if you guys aren't sick of hearing my voice every Monday morning I've also relaunched my other podcast the football podcast called State of Play which is basically conversation about the week's ongoings in the top five leagues and a little bit of MLS as well that we uh, like to sprinkle in there we do a player profile every week and we plug some kind of like young up-and-coming talents or breakthrough players and it's done with uh, Matt Santangelo over in the New York who's a kind of a renowned Milan fan and football analyst but we'll get into some miscellaneous questions here Rory Fitz says uh, why does investor get stopped selling shares individually <laughs> uh, okay so I think this has come from a tweet that I sent probably not too long ago so what I like to do is uh, first thing in the morning um, or well, very early on in the morning, I like to update my spreadsheet. And I will always have some players that are listed on the market, uh, to sell to market. And do you know what? This comes from just being really annoyed with the transaction log on the current site, not the beta site, the current site, and having to flick through lots of different pages. And what I've just noticed recently is a lot of my sales have been kind of one share sold, and there'll be like 40 to 50 transactions that have gone through with just one share. So it means that I, you know, it's just one of my kind of admin things that I'm having to then flick through um, probably four or five pages just to get all my dividend winners, um, all the different in-play dividends and PB dividends and MB dividends to update my spreadsheet. And it's just basically, you know, last, I don't know, probably three, four, five weeks maybe i've just noticed an uptrend in sales that are just one on i just you know, i don't ever remember it being like this i don't remember seeing my transaction log where i've seen 
sales go through that are such small numbers and I don't know whether that's just a state of the market now or whether you know more and more people are now starting to buy one share just to keep a track of some players and whether that's just market growth and that's what people people are doing now but yeah I, it's not so much a case of upset at selling shares individually it's just my kind of thing that I have to trawl through so many pages <laughs> in my transaction log just to keep my spreadsheet up to date and I'm just like why can't someone just buy 200 VVDs instead of you know 200 individuals just buying one share so everyone, <laughs> keep, that's all, everyone that's all keeping a track of uh, those features aren't they or it could be uh, newer users testing the water you know yeah yeah and I think that's what it is I think there's a conversation I don't know if, at the time of recording you know Mike sent out this morning um, I don't know if you've seen it but a tweet saying asking for feedback on oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. What, what puts people off and I think a lot of people are saying you know oh the website doesn't work or you know the watch list feature would be good and I think you know the whole watch list side of thing I'm pretty sure that these you know I used to do it myself buy one share keep a track of a player and then forget all about them because they sat right at the bottom of your portfolio screen and then you know someone will go oh this player's risen 300% and then you scroll down and you remember oh yeah I remember buying one share of that player and you <laughs> never did anything with <laughs> yes this whole one share buying thing is kind of not upset me but it's just kind of notice more noticeable more prominent now than before uh, next got a weird question here as well from Penguin who keeps complaining on the Index Gain Slack community that his questions, his questions don't are awesome asked. aren't they every week his questions are so out there yeah I mean you say awesome I say strange whatever we want to want to perceive it as uh, he says for Nick does PB scores or do PB scores drive prices <laughs> so yeah I know what he's referring to when I first started um, and joined Twitter all I used to see about was, was PB and PB, and I think it was maybe relatively new at that point. <clears throat> but I, I asked the question whether PB scores actually drive prices. Um, I'd been looking at some of the data that was out there at the time, and I kept seeing Lukaku, and he was such a high price, but never seemed to actually win anything, uh, in terms of PB anyway. And I was more convinced that MB um, was driving prices, and then the youth market was starting to pick up at that point, and people who just thought people were good footballers they were just buying them and that was really my sort of naive questioning at the time was was whether pb was actually driving prices at that point i think maybe as times moved on there'd be more and more of a case to say that pb wasn't driving prices um obviously that, that's that looks like it shifted back now with the dividend increase that was announced last week but yeah bit naive but um maybe just not really getting it at the time but he's, he's, yeah he's, he's not let me forget that to be honest as not penguin <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's interesting you say there that that dividend increase usually gets people more interested in the pb side of things and obviously the, the change matrix has done that to some extent as well yeah, hasn't for it sure i think you're definitely looking at, at the better players um on the pitch the creative players the goal scorers having potentially better chances at, at winning yeah, and I think I have to agree with that. I think the whole matrix change, um, the div increase, both combined, has, has really kind of put the USP of the product, which is you know, oh, Harlan, mash- Harlan scored. Oh, had to. He had to, didn't it? It was, it was inevitable. It was, it was going to happen at some Always point. Always on a fixed recording. recording. It's, yeah. uh, it's not going to happen, is it? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just saying, yeah, the whole buzz matrix, the dividend change, I'm glad it's put the emphasis back onto match day or PB, whatever you want to call it, because that's fundamentally the, the USP of the product. It's what you can't get elsewhere. 
you know, the whole IPDs, it, it launched, it got its attention. It was really easy to market for FI. It's really easy to understand as well. Yeah, okay, the 30-day rule might be slightly confusing, but more or less, you know, it's simple to understand, whereas the PB match day side is slightly complex. But having said that, it's, you know, the USP of the product. And I'm glad, you know, from when I joined in 2017, it was all about dividends. It was all about dividends. And prices made sense when you looked at dividends. And it's slowly starting to kind of shift that way again. And so, yeah, it's all really, all really good, really positive. I know a lot of people have been talking about IPOs, but it's a two-pronged and the weird thing is that a lot of people have been complaining about the youngsters that haven't been added, right? And potentially rightfully so, people want to spot those young kids before anyone else does to kind of get in early and and kind of play that football manager version of FI. But also the other thing is that when there are players who are performing well on the pitch that aren't on FI, then it kind of makes a mockery of PB to some extent. So I think there's so many factors that may be produced, so to speak, this scenario before the new matrix, before the dividend increase, where perhaps these well-performing players weren't really being reflected price-wise, which I guess is en route to being amended to some extent. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Well, we'll move on to the next questions because I've just realised this introduction or whatever it is has been like 17 minutes. No thanks to Harland and, and Penguin. But um, we've got a question here from Index Gomesh, uh, Ali, who came on the podcast um, the other day and was really, really good. If you haven't checked out his episode, please do. Uh, formerly the Index Dentist, and it was uh, really good. It was when we had the dividend review announcement, so bear that in mind when you listen to that one. But he says, will either of you be changing your strategies following the dividend announcement? I've seen some talk on Twitter saying the top end are the main beneficiaries. Would you agree with this? Uh, Nick, why don't you take it away? Yeah, will I be changing my strategy uh, following the dividend announcement? I'm sort of read between the lines on the announcement, I think, and, and had a good feeling that it was going to move back towards PB, whether that was an extra way for the PB um, players to win or whether it was just a, a dividend increase, which it turned out to be. Um, so I kind of set up for that, which was quite nice. Whether the top end of the main beneficiaries, I'm not sure that they are. I think the whole market probably, um, well, the whole market that's that could win PB, um, that everyone's a beneficiary, I guess. Yeah, I suppose so. And I think I saw a few things. I think the only difference is maybe that the star man is so much greater. So you'd presume that those guys that have a larger chance of winning that might benefit a little bit extra than the rest of the market. Yeah, that's I don't true, know if yeah. you agree, yeah. Yeah, investor. Yeah, yeah. And if we all kind of have had various discussions on index game on Slack about the uh, percentage wins that are dominated by midfielders, and there's a very small pool of these creative mids. And I think one thing that the buzz, uh, the new matrix has done is put a bit more emphasis on the creative attacking side of football on all players, even attacking fullbacks. I think what it's probably maybe you know I wouldn't say a flaw, but one slight thing is that key passes is such a heavy weighted event in the matrix. And I remember putting together some stats for the index game blog around who had the most key passes, who had the most accurate long balls, um, putting some data together to give some indications. And what I found was that these long balls and these key passes happened in such high volume and then you looked at the scores when the, the scores for each event and then uh, it was like well there's probably two or three of these new events that actually add so much weight and they're so 
weighted towards midfielders and it's coming through now you know we're what eight nine ten weeks into the season and I think it's something silly like 65 to 70 percent of Starman wins have been midfielders I think Sabitza is up there right now at the time of recording with a 300 and whatever score with a multiplier but still you know it's evident that midfielders and the top end Parejos, Sensis, Brozovic who were all great last season as well but it's probably given a little bit more emphasis on those kind of deeper line forwards as well Messi, Depay, and we've seen some good scores from Lewandowski, who, you know, one thing I kind of wanted to raise as well is how much love these number nines are getting at the moment. If you look at Lewandowski's chart, you know, I think he was somewhere around ATP at the end of last season. Nobody thought number nines would get as much love in the new season. And now look at Lewandowski, he's scoring left, right and centre, he's producing some good scores because of the change in the matrix. So yeah, all kind of, I think in terms of um, the main beneficiaries, I think it makes sense. I think it gives FI a bit more of a marketing pull. You know, I've always I said before, you know, FI need these well-known um, players to be doing well on the index and to be able to then use those players to market. I think they struggled when they used some youth players. I don't know if you know about the whole advertising campaign that they got slapped on the wrist. Yeah, um, yeah, it was quite strange. It's uh, one of the most ridiculous rules I've ever heard of, actually. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, they may have looked at this and gone, right, OK, well, where's the next growth coming from? We need to get back to... They can't promote Neymar because his price has been stagnant for so long. They can't promote Salah because his price has been dropping for so long. So, you know, your Messi's price has been stagnant. So where do they show the growth? They're, they're going to show growth in Suicida and they're going to promote, <laughs> you know, marketing campaign around, hey, Suicida has grown... 60-70% and that's not going to attract the next 100,000 users so I think it's right in that the top end is the main beneficiaries I think it helps Football Index grow the platform, attract the next 100,000 users and if that's what it takes, hey I'm all for it in terms of the changing my strategies as I mentioned earlier, I've never veered away from PB, I'm quite happy to sit on the sidelines, away from any MB away from any youth hype because I you know, said from the start, I firmly believe that PB, the dividend side um, match day scoring that whole side of it is the USP of the product uh, you know, if once you've bought in and once you believe in that it's very hard for myself to move away from that and to change my mindset and and yeah I, I think you know for me changing strategies is, I've never changed strategies I've always stuck, my, stuck with my guns bought the players that play well I enjoy watching football I enjoy watching those players and I watch you know a lot of football um, elite football uh, one thing I can't do or bring myself around to is buying youth players and not being able to watch live footage or if they're not playing first team football and so yeah football index for me is, is very much around sticking with pb sticking with the dividend earners yeah and they've done a, a great job of that with the latest dividend announcement and, and the restructuring but nick it was interesting to me to hear that you kind of predicted it did you think it was a real confidence booster that this was the first time that kind of everyone knew what kind of dividend increase there was going to be and it kind of took shape how everyone thought it was going to be if that makes sense yeah i think everyone realized that they needed to go back towards the main pb players like investor just said it it's it makes it more marketable it makes more sense it makes it easier to say to your friends when when they're joining why those players are going up and why they're they're returning more i think there was just yeah. some clues in in the wording um, I can't remember the exact wording now and the, the sort of pre-announcement, um, but it said something about 
it definitely said dividends and it said something about all traders. Uh, that to me said that there was going to be sort of yeah. a, an increase across the board and it would suit all traders. Yeah, I think they mentioned something along the lines of we realise dividends are the blood of the platform or something along those yeah. along yeah. those lines. Interesting. Cool. So we'll move on to the next question here. Fi Gardener, uh, always gardening, sending some great pictures. Did you see the picture of him nearly getting uh, trounced by a tree? That was uh, worrying. No, um, no. Yeah, he didn't take a picture of a freshly trimmed garden. It was a tree that had fallen in the forest, which, uh, yeah, isn't good viewing. Hopefully he doesn't get hit by one. He says, what did you make of Adam Cole's statement after the announcement? Can you see another type of dividend being introduced in the future? Oh, I can, but it needs to be simple. Um, it needs to be sort of something that's an extension possibly of what's already there. Um Something like I know you've figured you've spoken of before about uh, rewarding sort of uh, a brace or a hat trick. I think that would make the most sense, and the, mm. the sort of it's just an addition to IPDs that's already there. I'm not sure whether it be in the near future that sort of thing. I think the market's got a got to rise up a little bit before IPDs get their next boost. Mm. Um, but something he kind of alluded to more of a long-term thing though nick didn't mm. he it was more like a, we want to reward long-term loyalty yeah, yeah. loyalty and, and payout so from mike's comments on twitter i don't know if it was some sort of like fi loyalty scheme but on the other like from that statement i read that it could be some sort of like team of the week team of the month or like team of the month based on certain scores over a certain amount but again you're right nick it can't be that complex because all the good ideas i've had have been probably too complicated yeah i think that's the that's the key is anything you add needs to be simple um i know i was reading investors comments on index gain earlier about all these different ideas team of the week team of the month it just adds another layer of complexity to the to the product which is already quite a complex product so i'm not sure what they would do down that line that would be simple um, in terms of what the future brings. That's where I see the next sort of next way of winning dividends, but not in the near future. Yeah, I think there's other things to the platform that they can do to make it less complex. For example, the it, when they open up the top 200, right? That's one thing that's going to make the product less complicated yeah. automatically. Mm. And whether or not they do a couple more iterations where they make it less complicated and then add another addition on top of that, if that makes sense to kind of balance things out, I don't know. Uh, investor would be yeah. Yeah, interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, no, I kind of agree with everything that's been said so far with regards to, you know, it's got to, got to be kept simple. Um, the thing for me is that the platform is constantly changing and it's happening so fast that by the time you get used to one thing, another thing has been introduced whether it's a scoring or whether it's a dividend change or whether it's increase of uh, introduction of ipds and so you know i'm all up for new ways of winning i'm not going to say no to new me mechanics or new new things of, of winning dividends or, or what it payouts or whatever it might be but bottom line is it's got to be kept simple i speak to friends and family about football index all the time and whenever i'm talking to someone that's never heard of it it takes me ages to explain the ways of winning and then it's a case of okay well if you want to start off with a small amount of money maybe you'll just want to focus on ipds and you have to explain ipds and when you get to <laughs> a point where okay you're a bit more confident and you want to put some more money in you might want to have a look at you know some more premium players where you're looking at dividends and this is how dividends work 
and all of a sudden you've kind of explained you know there's a 30-day rule there's a three-year bet uh there's different match days there's media days and then there's first second third and starman and, and so forth so yeah it can get quite complex but whatever comes in whatever they do and i think the bottom line is it's got to be kept simple yeah, I was on the betting podcast or the business of betting podcast a few weeks ago and I was asked to kind of explain it top to bottom and that conversation was 20 minutes on its own. <laughs> Bear in mind, I was speaking to someone based in the US who was yeah. kind of like a some sort of professional in this industry, right, that knew a lot about gambling, knew the exact mechanics of gambling, had watched a couple of my videos. So he didn't yet have a base, a foundation, but he would kind of like dug into it. But I had to explain a lot to someone who knows his stuff in this kind of industry, which is probably from FI's side a worry, but it's probably not insurmountable, Nick. Yeah, I'm just talking about the betting side of things. The one sort of idea I had, and I'm not trying to say this would happen because they pretty much ruled out any sort of tiered um, system, but the idea that you would have three places paid on what would now be a gold day um, two places paid on a silver day and one on a bronze day would sort of be a halfway house between a, a tiered PB and giving you sort of more chance of winning on those gold or treble days. Um, that would kind of fit in with the betting, mm. you know, that each way, if your horse comes first, second or third type scenario, mm. um, yeah. it would some possibly bridge that gap. And like I say, I realise that's it's probably unlikely and they're not keen on the idea of tiered, as they've said before, but I just think that would kind of tie in nicely. Mm, mm. I think tiered PB is a thing that's being thrown around quite a lot these days. But I, <laughs> yeah. from an FI standpoint, as a business, I really don't think that they're in a position where they're a four-year-old company. Their cash flow needs to be really good. You know, you have to be quite liquid and agile in your movements. And something like tiered PB, you have to set aside probably quite a lot of cash mm. because you have to be looking at the worst case scenario, right, when you're forecasting, and I'm sure they do. So it's one of those things where you look at, Alessandro said it on the last podcast when he was like, look, they look at how likely Neymar is to win across the season and then multiply that by the worst case scenario if in case he, you know, scores 70 goals next season right and they try and forecast that as like the worst case scenario as the maximum amount of liability that they need to have on those futures now imagine that if Neymar can come second and third you're currently looking at like a a whole wallop of cash aren't you definitely like I said it's it's unlikely it's it's something that they're trying to steer away from and, and you can fully understand that um I just like the idea of bridging that gap between uh sort of betting community and and FI I really like that idea, but is it financially sustainable? Who knows? It's down to the coffers at the end of the day, but it's, yeah, it was a really good idea, I think. Hmm. So we've got another question here from Mortz, and uh, I think, Nick, you mentioned in-play dividends earlier. With the current rise in PB players, do you guys feel like the lower end will pick up again soon? Cheap in-play dividend players with big spreads are unappealing in some cases and risky, so intrigued to hear your thoughts, chaps. Do I feel like the lower end will pick up soon? I think it always does. Um, money sort of trickles down from the top. Um, it always goes into the most obvious picks first and then and trickles down to people where they try and be a bit more creative and a bit more, um, you know, thinking outside of the box to try and, and make some money. Um, in terms of IPD players, the value is still there for them. Um, they can still score, still score goals, still make money. But I think if you pick in wisely, you should always have a, a market sell option on, on IPD players. Um, if you're looking at their fixtures and the future fixtures um, and you think that they've got a good run coming up, you should be able to buy, sell quite easily and it should make the spreads irrelevant if you can do that. 
I think a lot of people tend to just instant sell or try and get out as soon as they can after the 30 days are up. And that might be a failing for some people's tactics, isn't it there, Nick? Because you could just try and hold for the next time they score and then yeah, sell them. Wait for the next goal, wait till they look like they've got a soft fixture coming up and people will be buying in advance of that. Um, like I say, if you, if you are able to market sell them, it, the spread really is irrelevant. What do you make of this question here, investor? Do you think that we'll see money going into the low end? And I guess it's what you define as low, right? Yeah, so from my side, I think the whole PV players kind of picking up again, it stretches the ceiling. So the lower end at some point, there'll be this gap. And it happens every time. You know, I think the last time we might have had a deposit bonus probably a year ago, one of the big ones, um, all the money went into premium players, which then kind of there was this gap between the lower end and the top end and the money started to trickle down. As Nick said, money always trickles down. My only kind of concern is that by the time the bottom end catches up, will the IPDs look unappealing? So your 40p, 50, 60, 70p players will soon be a pound. And when they're a pound, will it be a good trade to be playing for penny dibs over 30 days? So yeah, I think IPDs at the time when they were launched, the prices seemed okay. Uh, but as the market and the prices increased, at some point, you know, the IPDs become a little bit more unappealing. And I think, you know, I think there was a um, there was a conversation in the last podcast about where the next, whether there's a share split or a div increase. I think the div increase will come at some point, and it'll be on the IPD side because it, then it makes the lower end of the market appealing again. It's almost like a, a scales. You know, one side tips up, then uh, mm. FI push the other side up, and it's just a constant kind of keeping the, the, the two cycles going. But I think, you know, like that, exactly what Nick said, you know, I think that the way to trade IPDs is to plan, um, play the fixtures, but also once you're 30 days up, buy some more shares if the next 30 days look good. Because when you sell your shares, you're always selling your old ones first. And I don't think a lot of people know that. You know, if you have 50 shares and then you buy another 50 on the 30th day, then sell on the next match, which might, which might be the 35th day, but you'll be selling the old shares and your new shares will still be valid for the, the new IPD period. I always refer people back to your IPD video when they first launched to, to try and understand how you trade IPDs in that way. Um, a lot of people think, yeah, it comes to 30 days, instant sell, boom, and you probably earn, I don't know, 10p during the 30 days and you've just wiped that out by spread and commission. So yeah, any, any kind of way that you can mitigate having to sell or instant sell that's the way to kind of plan it in thanks very much for plugging my video i I think the only thing i'd say is the way that fi approached this announcement made me think that they are now focused on creating a market that is really moved by long-term value rather than the short-term nature of ipds and now that's the reason why most of us join the platform that's the reason why people go big with tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of pounds so from their fi standpoint that kind of makes sense and the other reason do do you think ipds have helped or the the liquidity that ipds have created have helped contribute towards this what i would say is a huge dividend increase Potentially, the one thing I'd say is in-play dividends are really hard for FI to 
mark against in terms yeah. of how much money they're making from them because what do you mark against is it yeah. commissions yeah, yeah. over a certain amount of games you can't really know if someone's buying for in play dividends or not so it's hard to kind of realize on fi's side whether or not it makes them any money and i think i said this really awful analogy um if you have a bookshop and you sell books and then you start selling rulers the rulers don't make you money any money or you like break even on them but people start buying more books because they come into your shop and they buy rulers and then they're like why don't i buy a book as well that's the kind of i think model where they're going they don't really care whether or not in play dividends make the money they just care about user retention liquidity whether or not money is moving hands more but on the other hand, I do think that the balance between in-play dividends and the rest of the dividend car- categories was, I think, probably too far in in-play dividends' favour yeah. um, for a lot of larger, inv- or maybe not large current investors, but certainly investors that are probably maybe looking at this thing and saying, wow, I could make a few bob here with this kind yeah. of like long nat- long-term nature of these bets. And then they look at the kind of returns in-play dividend players are making and saying... No, I can't really be bothered. I mean, I've had conversations with people who are kind of professional gamblers, right? And they're like, oh, is there like a scenario where like I can give you money and you can trade it for me or like I can give it to someone for them to make me money and stuff? And I'm like, no, it's not really like that kind of thing, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, well, you know, you can actually just set yourself up and check it like probably once a week or every couple of weeks, every month, however kind of infrequently you decide depending on how you set yourself up. And they're just not interested, right yeah it's a passive approach yeah they're absolutely not interested the conversation stops there it's like oh thanks for all your help but no uh, thanks but no thanks so my opinion has drastically shifted to the point where if fi want this to become a billion pound market then that balance between those two dividend categories has to be really carefully looked at yeah yeah yeah. completely agree yeah for sure nick any any thoughts there yeah for sure i think the the great thing about fi is there's, there's so many ways to play it and IPD is just one of those ways. Mm. And like you say, I think the the bigger investors probably looking at PB and longer term, um, the people who are football fans who are getting into different way of gambling, if you like, um, they'll the the IPDs are, are straightforward. They're easy to understand. He scores you you make money in your first thirty days. There's so many different ways to play it. They almost need a different way to attract different people. And I think that yeah. the IPDs yeah. definitely do that you know as do pb for for bigger investors it's there's so many different ways to sort of skin the cat yeah yeah what they need is um i don't know if you remember when buzzing paul's tracking uh what he created was like um investment funds so it's a collection of players that he grouped together and put them into an, a kind of a bucket so you had superstars you had youth you had aliens aliens were non-pb players and then you had some experience you know older players and he was tracking all of those players in each of these buckets to see whether you know and and the people that you were just talking about there what they want to do is just buy the superstars and then collect all the dividends over the period of a year, two years, occasionally check in, but see their money grow. It doesn't require to be active every weekend or, or every day. But um, I found that kind of really interesting as well. And that something, you know, these trackers that FI have got at the moment, it would be really interesting if they, you know, had some buckets like what Buzzing Paul had created. You might have to tweet him or um, <laughs> check on index I game do, yeah. I do remember. it was really good really yeah, good yeah i do remember those articles they were really interesting but i'm just not sure you could do that like no it, no it, I, don't, I don't i don't but what, what i mean is if if that person could create their own yeah 
not buy one off the shelf, but create their own fund, which is made up of lots of different types of players. And you just leave it as it is if it's not something that they want to be actively um, monitoring. Yeah. And could FI do something like, and I know this would be really risky, but they could say stuff like, if you lock yourself in for six months across 100 different players and you're, yeah. I don't know, sticking 500k in, they'll yeah. just ignore the commissions for that period or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. They could do loads of things to cater towards those bigger users. I just don't think we're there without order books yet, though. No, 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 absolutely. We'll move on to the next question here. FI Headhunter, who I think asks some really good questions all the time. Prop the shout out to him. Uh, have traders overlooked the boost to media buzz in the recent dividend update? Well, I suppose it would help if it if it actually worked, right? And the producer <laughs> didn't run away with it. Uh, <laughs> I will tell you what I put on my notes. I've just put personally hate MB. Like I said, I just you know the whole mechanics of it just doesn't work for me. How can you actually set up a strategy for MB? Uh, you know, half the time it works. Yesterday it stopped working at 11 o'clock because I believe that somebody in FI thought, okay, the clocks go back at the weekend, so we need to account for what happens when the clocks go back or something. I don't know. It stopped working at 11 o'clock. <laughs> Sterling won with 240 points today. We're going to look back at that and wonder why Sterling won with 240 points. And then, you know, the slowdown of articles. Uh, you know, Yes, the boost is great, but how can you play for it? I don't think you can unless you just hold you know, the ones that win um, more frequently, which are your premium players anyway. Mm. Doesn't it have great potential to be a great part of the index? Though? Absolutely. It just needs tweaking, doesn't it? Absolutely. Okay, I think MB, if they're going to totally... I think there might have been some notes when they did the announcement about improving media buzz, mm. all up for it, all up for it. I think it's got massive scalability. It's got great potential. It's just the fact that right now, how it works, the words that they use aren't even football related. <laughs> you know, it works half the time. It, it, you have no idea why some articles have been removed. It just doesn't make any sense. When you explain it to someone, you get this 30 second pause where they've just gone, what the hell have you just, how they created that and then you get when, the whole oh so you're telling me if i go punch wayne rooney in the face i could uh, exactly yeah 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 you couldn't you and can i'm make, like well yeah. you, you could make yourself 5p but you could probably also get locked up for a very long time <laughs> yeah 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 you know it's a, a case of if england are playing in some eastern european country um by sterling and you know you don't want to encourage that and it, it, i know it's a there's been conversations around that whole how does mb con- uh, how does football index control that side of things but yeah uh, all up for, you know, going back to the question, have we overlooked the boost to MB? Um, potentially, I think uh, you know, the group of people I speak to on Slack, we've noticed it. But again, what can you do about it? How can you actively trade for MB? Hmm. Have you got any thoughts on MB, Nick? I don't know how beneficial it is for you and your trading strategy and what you think of it yeah, generally. Yeah, not so much anymore. It's, it was over the summer when it was just all MB. I was quite heavy into the MB players, obviously. It just seemed to to keep dividends ticking over nicely over the summer while there was no football on. But I think with the opening of the the squad to win MV, the reduced amount of treble days, it's kind of just, it's not something I'm too much interested in anymore. Um, the boost to PB seems to be more more what I want to play for. It's more enjoyable. It, it seems easier to predict the winners of PB now than it would be of MV uh, on any particular day. Yeah. Um, so You can plan for it. Right? Exactly. You can, you can look at fixtures, plan you can... You can you can do a bit of research and and sort of look into those PB players a lot more. Um, whereas who's going to be in the media, especially now that the squad's open, it's probably going to be 
who scored a big goal in the game before, who's, you know, who's made a mistake, who's done something daft, who's been part of a VAR controversy. You know, you can't plan for those things like like Investor said. No. Yeah, it's like um, Batshoi is top of media. You know, dividend deadline moves to three o'clock. I still don't think that's any helpful towards MB because whatever happens in the eight o'clock kickoff wins media buzz that day. So it's very much, you know, potluck. It's it's hope that nothing happens during the day and whoever you've got in your portfolio at two o'clock or three o'clock uh, on the new deadline hopes that they continue to drum up stories. I think that probably shifts further and further back the further we get into this product. But uh, Nick, want to pick your brains on what you think about MB as a thing and like as a dividend and where you see it going? Because I think me and Investor just kind of yodeled on for way too long there. Yeah, I mean, it's required. It's definitely required. You know, when there's no football on, what do you do? It, it'd be be very boring, if nothing else. But the whole thing, as, as Investor said, I, I completely agree with what he said. It, it needs to be football-specific. Um, it needs to sort of almost, I think, reward people for football in stories, whether that's transfers, um, media links, that sort of thing, rather than haircuts and, and whatever else is going on Um it's definitely an essential part, but I kind of feel like it's moving the product's moving more away from MB with every everything that they do. Um, so the PB matrix change, yeah. um, the increase in dividends was obviously, um, I think, bigger for PB. Must have been. Um, it's yeah. Good example of that is when Bernardo Silva scored a hat trick yeah. for Man City, but he didn't win MB because hat trick isn't a word that's part of media yeah. buzz. Now, don't get me wrong, but if Media Buzz is football focused, hat trick should be worth five points um, when you look at the list of words. It, it would have smashed MB that day. And anyone who scores a hat trick, like Sterling did, and you know, whoever scores a hat trick, they deserve to win Media Buzz. And it should be consistent. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's, mm. there's the whole thing with names as well. The, the whole name needing to be in there is. It's a bit old school. It seems like there must be better, there must be a better way to do yeah. it. And some players are not called by the name it by the press the same as what they are in the as their on football index, like Rodri. And I think when he moved to Man City, he didn't even register on the NBA yeah. charts just because his his name was different. And it's not too difficult to to sort that little thing out and and make it more effective. But yeah, for me, it's it's not something I'm playing for at the minute. Mm-hmm. Another question here from Headhunter again. He says, how many players do you think will be over £6 come the end of the season? That's a long time away. Yeah, I'm going to defer that one. I think. Um, just trying to, <laughs> just trying to see. We've only got three over, or four over £6 now. So yeah, I had a, I had a quick look this morning. Neymar. Yeah, I had a quick look this morning. I reckon, you know, depending on market growth, I'd probably say there's seven or eight. I think Kane, um, KDB, and possibly Pogba uh, might be up there over over six quid. The reason why I say Pogba is the whole uh, is he leaving, is he not saga. I expect that to build up. But then he's probably the your... type of guy as well that if he won three MBs in a row, he'd probably go yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, and he's not too far off already. He's not too far off already. So yeah, th- those are the three that I'd add into that bucket that are already over six quid. So I'll probably say, you know, seven or eight players that would be that'd be six pounds. It's hard to say. I think at that time, yeah, I'd probably say eight or nine. But yeah. I think we'll see maybe over ten definitely peak over six. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, you know, we talk about Leon Messi quite a lot and whether or not um he's value his age and stuff like that. But 
if he scores a hat-trick, then a brace the next game, that's probably going to be an, an easy 10% spike and that's probably only all he needs to get over that £6 barrier. £6 so, barrier, yeah. 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 Um, it's going to be interesting to see there. Well, before we move on to the next bit of questions, just need to remind you guys about Index Gain and I'm really happy to announce this. Um, they are now being powered by Opta, world leaders in sports data. So their first Opta-driven report is out now. The OMD screener allows you to search, filter, rank and sort players based on your choice of a criteria using a blend of FI and Opta stats. Over the coming days, every single attribute from the new Football Index Matrix will be available on the site. For every match day, dividend league, every single one. And for every match day, dividend tournament, including Euro 2020 qualifiers. Uh, what do you make of that, chaps? Madness. That's madness. Does that mean you can sort all players across all top five PB leagues by key passes? I think it sounds you can. It sounds like you can, and you can probably Blimey. find out more on um, on Sunday. <laughs> Presuming you boys didn't know that was coming. Nope. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, nice little bit of exclusive uh, fig cast news. We're uh, recording on a Wednesday, and I don't think yeah, this report yeah. will be around till uh, Sunday. I was told to keep uh, very hush hush by Bishop, but yeah, if you guys yeah, are interested yeah. in the premium index gain offering, uh, you can get fifty percent off your first month if you head over to indexgain.co.uk and use fig2020 like the year for your yeah first month 50% off and you guys are both big users aren't you yeah, yeah massive massive I think I might have joined very 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 early on um, after I joined Football Index when I think there was probably only about 10 people on there a lot more now yeah. Nick oh yeah I mean yeah. after my tweet that Penguin mentioned it was one of the first things that I did when I joined the index was to join Index Gain as well I figured I needed to, to suss out what was going on a bit better. And just over time, they've really added reports that have saved me doing things manually, um, whether that's figuring out fixtures or you know difficulty of fixtures, single days, double days. Um, it's just saved me doing it manually. So it's for me, it's worth the, the money, mm. whether it's... And, and knowing where to look as well. It, yeah, it's If nothing else, it has made me money. Um, but if nothing else, it saved me a lot of time. Yeah, it's a great tool and I'd recommend everyone uh, having a look at it at least. At the very least, give it a look over. Um, we've got a question here from Trading Bear. Do you think coaching kids in real life gives you an edge in what to look out for when buying youth on Football Index? And Nick, this is a very specific question for you because I don't think investor is a football <laughs> coach in his uh, spare no, time. No. <laughs> um, take it away. I mean, what I can say, first of all, is that I've genuinely seen a lot of under-14s games. Um, some people uh, like to think they've, they've watched a lot of under-14s or under-13s football. I, I genuinely have. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, not at the level maybe required for, for football index, but I have uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of football uh, at that level. I do I think it helps? There's two sides to it, really. You can, you can spot the technical ability in players when you see them playing. Um, one of the key things for me is, is decision-making. You know, is that player making good decisions at the right time? Are they you know, looking composed in front of goal or, or in possession when they've got two or three people trying to get the ball off them. Uh, I think that really helps uh, sort of understanding whether they've got what it takes potentially to, to have a long and, and successful career. Um, the flip side of that is loads of people don't make it. Um, and you see that firsthand, you see kids going off to academies and, and not making it through from, from one age group to the next. And then you've got to sort of scale that up to even the people who make it to the under-23 squads 
do they make it into the match day squad? Can they then make it into you know onto the actual pitch itself? And then when they do that, can they take the chance to do it? So you kind of see both sides of it as a as a coach. Interesting. And Tetley's has a follow up question on Slack as well. Do you feel your tactical nous helps or hinders you on football index? Um, again, it's a it's a sort of double edged sword. That one. Um, it can help and hinder. Um, and knowing when it's becoming a bias is is pretty tough. Um, it can help you in a way that um, you cert- you sort of spot certain things when you're watching games um, that maybe just someone who's watching the game as just a general fan wouldn't spot. Um, I know Investors team at, at Leicester, so a good example with them was mm. they were playing sort of a 4-1-4-1, but the, the midfield setup was sort of two defensive midfielders in Chowdhury and Ndidi. Um, Madison and Pryor sort of playing in the 8-10 roles. And then uh, Perez and Vardy sort of as a two up front, and it was very narrow. It was very much like a four-two-two, which obviously then leaves all the space in the wide areas for the fullbacks. Um, That was something I spotted quite early on watching Leicester, and to me that that sort of said that Mm. it was just figuring out whether it was going most of the play was going to go through Pereira or whether it was going to go through Chilwell. Um, Went for Pereira in the end, and that one kind of turned out quite nicely. And I think he, he might have won a, a PBR two this year already. Um, on, I think he's definitely yeah, won one. I mean, the other one is is my team, which is Liverpool. They're playing in quite a strict four three three, and because of the system and Mane and Salah not really having to do too much defensively, that puts all the defensive workload on the three centre mids. So they don't have that that cutting edge, that number ten that everyone says Liverpool need, um, because the system dictates that the three centre mids have to do that sort of boring defensive work and they don't get into advanced positions too much and so really like Liverpool midfield players aren't really a, a buy for me because the the system doesn't really dictate that they're going to be that close to the goal most of the time and as we know you kind of need to be to be scoring to be in with a, a chance the flip side is that it hinders you in that you can sort of dismiss um, certain things because it doesn't fit in, y- in your mind as what is normal um, and, and Harlan's just scored and he seems to keep scoring but um, I watched him against Malta and he just playing for Norway and he just didn't look as if he was a centre forward that was ever going to be dropping deep and linking the play and getting the ball he just looked like a, an out and out goal scorer um, that hasn't stopped him obviously he's just keep going up and up and that's the sort of hindrance of it you, you watch someone and you watch how they play and you maybe think mm, it's not quite what I thought it was going to be but yeah they keep going up hmm We've got one last one here from uh, Frosties again on Slack. Uh, following on from Tetley's question, so these boys just asked like a domino effect of questions, which is always good fun. Does your tactical awareness help you identify PB gems or team suited for FB PB? I think you've kind of already answered this, but maybe dig into it just a little bit more for yeah, us. Um, the the main thing is really just just spotting a, a change or a or a pattern that's gonna gonna benefit one or, or two players in particular. Um, the Leicester example was probably the better one out of the two where just because they went so narrow, it was always going to be the, the space out wide and the, the players, the wing-backs or the full-backs getting into those sort of areas to and getting on the ball more and, and have more involvement. And, and I think you've got, you've got to look for those little little sort of nuances with each team that, that means certain players are going to benefit. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd probably add to that, which is, you know, if, you, if there's any traders out there that are kind of probably not as tactically aware or get to watch uh, any games is to use sites like SofaScore and who's scored and look at possession stats because you want to pick players from teams that keep the ball often. Once you've narrowed it down to a few select teams to look at then who from within that team plays or 
has the most involvement or touches of the ball and you can get all these stats that are all available but you know it certainly helps you then to focus on a few good high possession high attacking kind of teams and then to watch some games so that you can build up your kind of tactical awareness that's kind of how I done it I kind of look at the stats first and then I flick over to watching actual games to see how that data translates into actual match play and a good example of that is Bayer Leverkusen who this season they've got really high possession and you'd expect high PB but they just can't win a game at the minute (laughs) so it's you know every game is starting off it feels like every game is starting off with minus 23 points for every Leverkusen player (laughs) yeah it's lost points plus goal conceded points so you've got to think you know okay you know that you can't just take possession and, and touches and you've got to put that into context and, and actually watch teams play. Um, Atletico Madrid, another great example. They win games 1-0, but they're a counter-attacking style team who don't keep possession for long enough to rack up high enough points. So yeah, all of this sort of like comes with experience, but it's a good place to start by looking at teams with high possession and then start actually watching some of these teams play um, on TV or streaming or whatever. Yeah, that really nicely leads us on to the next question, which is from Chris. Chris Askew, I believe, who was on the podcast previously, did really, really well. Uh, How important to you is the eye test? What's the best trade you've made from it? And has it ever let you down on Football Index? For example, sold too early, didn't buy, and uh, a player's risen sharply. I think this kind of leads on to that, what you were saying there, Investor, about looking at data first and then having a look at the player or the the style of play from the team. But I guess there are those instances where people go with their gut and and buy only from what they've seen. Has there ever been a success for you? Yeah, I was the one example is more recent. I mean, I've probably done it um, over the last two years, but I just can't remember. The most recent example I have is uh, my little lad my eldest he won a competition on Facebook uh, we had to my wife shared the Facebook page for Stadium MK and um, they picked out one person to take their kid to go watch the England under 21s train MK Stadium when they played Austria last week or the week before was it me and my little lad went and it's the first time I've actually watched a proper training session and uh, you know Foden was there Brewster was there there was a, a fair few others, and those two stuck out like a sore thumb. You watch them in training, and Foden was just absolutely, he made everyone look like a little, even, you know, like an eight-year-old. <laughs> his footwork, his vision, his agility, it was phenomenal. I've got to be honest, I've not watched Foden enough on TV. I may have caught the odd glimpse or the odd highlights here and there, but to sit there and watch Foden for an hour train and make everyone else look abysmal, I just literally, I was there and then, and it's the first time I bought a few shares in, in Foden. And I think it's that eye test. It's when you actually see that player move, their awareness, their uh, tactical ability. And you you touched on it earlier, Nick, when you were talking about youth players. You can see confidence and you can see their tactical awareness. And you see that in Foden. And I just literally, I, I just there and then, I just bought a few. I thought, this is <laughs> it. This guy's phenomenal. I think there's dominance as well, which is really important on FI. Like, can a player dominate on a team because there's being a good player but can they dominate kind of like how a team plays and dictate the way that they attack or defend i think those are really important things and nuances to yeah to have a thought on 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 fi but nick uh, interested to hear your thoughts on just on on that point that you just made that's what makes uh, sancho so unbelievable for me the way that the dortmund just trust him at at that age Um, he plays nearly every week 
they trust him in in sort of tight situations. They'll give the ball to him and just let him do his thing. And I think that's probably why he sort of sticks out like he does. Um, in terms of the eye test, it is very important to me. It's something that yeah, I can watch someone, and if they don't look like a player, I'm, I'm just not interested. And <laughs> I bought. Um, what if the stats stack up against that? Though? What if the stats are saying that they're a great player? Does that kind of... Because I see that sometimes as a conflict within yeah. myself when I watch a player and I'm like, I don't think this guy is that good, but he scores a lot or assists a lot or whatever. And then I look at the stats and I'm like, mm, it looks like he's a good player. When I've watched him, he's definitely not though. Yeah. Guys, I think Highland's just scored again. <laughs> yeah, just... Popped up in my head. Um, <laughs> I was waiting for you to go. The Harlan curse. Sorry, he's interrupted <laughs> me this time. What can you do? Uh, I don't even know what I was saying. For example, yeah, his stats are ridiculous, but you have to look at where he plays, who he plays against, and stuff. And I think being, for example, in the Champions League stage is the first time a lot of people have seen him, and that's when they can probably better judge whether or not they think he's a he's a good player or not. So that's you know, thanks very much for from Erling there, kind of doubling down on our points. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. that. That's, the exact, yeah. that's an exact example of, of one of one that I've just completely ignored. Um, the, the hype was around him. It was obvious if he scored, he was going to take off. Um, but when I watched him against against Malta, and Malta are no sort of international powerhouse, and he was playing for Norway, <laughs> you know, he just looked... I think he touched the ball about eight times in 60 minutes. He looked completely off it, and I thought, if this is what he's like against Malta, you know, what's he going to be like? tougher league when he when he eventually gets a move or, or whatever and just completely dismissed it as, a, as an option and obviously then he gets four was it three or four against um bruges genk no genk three and, yeah, and then yeah. obviously he just takes off and i struggle to hold players that i don't think are, are good even if the the data does stack up there was a, a guy called hinterregger i think he's called all the data told me he was going to be a good pick it looked like on the heat maps he played sort of left back and he got forward and they played against Arsenal and again he just looked like a big stiff and he, he didn't look any good so I, I, I think I, <laughs> I think I, I uh, instant sold him and then I log on one day and he's there at the top of the or was at the top at one point of the, the PB rankings and you just think that that's the bias that I just yeah. I struggle holding players that I don't think are, are any good. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard to do, isn't it? It's really hard to do. Um, I think we'll move on from here. Uh, Ash has a question, Ash FI. Hi, Fig. What's your thoughts on FI introducing a monthly fee for the platform? A nominal fee like £2 a month, which may help with sustainability. Love the show. I look forward to long drives now, <laughs> um, which is, uh, I never thought that's what the content would do in the end. That wasn't kind of the aim, but I'm really glad it does. Commutes, long drives, if if, if it's making you enjoy them. Honestly, like it, sometimes when I've got a podcast that I really, really am looking forward to, I'm just like, I might just take the tube an extra few stops. <laughs> uh, why not? Why not? Um, so if, if the Figcast makes you feel that, then I've done a, a decent job. Uh, <laughs> what, what are your thoughts here? I mean, it's something... I, I think the reason that I entered this one into the show, question-wise, because I haven't really thought about it before and it hasn't really been asked before. I think, I think the whole £2 fees... I mean, I kind of draw on experience from um, using ices and stocks and shares, ices, and they all come with fees. Um, however, th- that fee accounts for a certain percentage of your investment so you know if there was a flat two pound if for somebody who's trading with i don't know 50 quid 100 quid 
that two quid all of a sudden accounts for quite a large percentage. Yeah. Whereas someone with, you know, a Don or an EJ, the two pound is absolutely nothing. You know, it's, it's, it's pittance. So yeah, I think it's either a, the whole fee thing. I'm, I'm not sure. I think the business is fine. You know, there's no alarm bells ringing that I can see. Um, they're making moves forward. I think at the moment there's no need for any fees. It's an interesting idea, but I think the cash flow, you know, acquiring more new users, um, creating or trying to acquire more new cash into the platform is the way forward. I don't think there's a need for a £2 a month fee. It's an interesting idea, though. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, £2 a month, that's £24 a year. If someone has a portfolio of £200 and it only exactly. yeah goes yeah. up £400 you're, uh, to 400 say, you're looking at... Yeah. yeah, that's 5%, right? So it's not exactly, it's yeah. probably a bit too much. It's just potentially yeah. another Nick, um, a, another barrier to entry that you don't particularly need. Um, imagine sort of getting mm, through yeah. the explanation yeah. of what FI was, and then you know, your, your friend wants to sign up and you, you give him your code or whatever, and then you say, oh, Actually, you're paying two pounds a month as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cheers, cheers for the, cheers for yeah. the 10 quids. Uh, sign up, yeah. but you've you've got to pay ten quid, to, uh, two quid. Yeah. Sorry, you don't about. have to pay to put bets on with other bookies. So yeah. you know, I yeah, it's, very true. It's, yeah, it yeah. wouldn't be one for me that. Yeah, I think we'll probably move on to probably lower charges in the future. I don't know if you agree, but if you look at how other exchanges operate, they tend to offer those big traders or investors lowered commissions if they trade a certain amount, say over a year. So I think we're actually probably going to see FI become quote unquote cheaper, not more expensive in the future. Yeah, I think this is where the loyalty thing might come in. I don't know, different different tiers of loyalty based on portfolio value or spend or something like that. Yeah. But going back to my stocks and shares, I say I have a certain amount invested. I get one free trade every month. I get a copy of uh, Shares Magazine every week. So there's little incentives that keep me on the platform. Um, I may have to pay a slightly larger annual fee, but hey, I'm getting a load of stuff coming back which i am finding kind of valuable and useful that helped me make more money going forward so i think you know that's the way forward i don't uh, i think it's a case of you know this is maybe where loyalty might come into play uh, whether it's called loyalty or, um, <laughs> or, or freebies or incentives i think premium parts of a product are really hard to design and, and actually do effectively i think monzo recently stopped yeah. their premium offering because they saw no one was taking it up so if fi had like a fi premium and i have no idea what that looked like i think the kind of thing that traders mostly want is one to make money and to enjoy yeah. themselves so if those two things are happening i don't really know why i'd sign up to something like that because yeah. i mean if fi came out and openly said look you have to pay 20 quid a year to access fi because we're struggling financially i think that's a whole different ball game and a lot of people would <laughs> yeah. rush to give them 20 quid but that's basically the same as maybe doing another round of crowdfunding right i don't yeah, know exactly. like it doesn't really make that much of a difference yeah yeah, uh, yeah. nick any thoughts on this I just think any or any more thoughts. Anything, rather. anything they do, I would like to see it apply to everyone from the same point. Um, I think you get into very sort of muddy water if you start giving different people different benefits. Um, it sort of fuels the. Well, it's funny you should say that. Funny you should say that. We just seen the emails that have just come through about the three oh, yeah, percent yeah, yeah. cashback. Well, I thought we'd talk about that. Completely I'll, forgot. I'll get my. Yeah. So that, just as you said that, I've not got one. I bet you've got one. <laughs> I, I, I actually. <laughs> don't have one but probably do because I. <laughs> I don't get fi's emails because the, the no, account uh, that i registered yeah. with is no longer business email address or something yeah no it's just not one that i can 
access anymore, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, and it's a pain in the backside to change it and everything. Yeah, but yeah, what you were just saying there, Nick, it's actually happening All now. Right. Never mind then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Um, we'll move on to the next question. <laughs> F.I. Canary Palm. Uh, how are you preparing your portfolios for IPOs? Will you be taking money out of existing holds? If mass IPOs are announced, what impact do you see to current prices? Yeah, I I, I will you be um, selling some players to get on the, the IPOs that I like. Um, my strategy has changed over the last few months um, to sort of, I feel like I've got confident enough to, to back myself and go bigger on certain trades and sort of play the trends a little bit more. Um, I was playing it quite safe before and, and now we're sort of, as I say, getting closer to time. I'm going to need to take some money out. Um, I feel like the IPOs are a, a good opportunity to make some some more money and, and quicker. And I think a lot of people mm. will see it that way and, yeah. and it will have a, a negative impact on the current prices. Yeah, I think at the moment with the lack of clarification on how IPOs is going to work mm. is holding me back slightly. Um, I, I, you know, I, I dislike IPOs. Um, and when I say dislike, I mean, based on the experiences and the, the previous system of how it worked, I never got involved. Um, and I've always been quite happy to buy established players um, for a slight premium. You know, I don't want to get in there just to try and get the lowest price so I can scare, share a screenshot on Twitter or Slack or anything. Um, I'm quite happy just to buy slightly premium. But I'm gonna, I've got some cash set aside. Um, you know, w- one of the things I always say to other traders is is think about your cash flow you know do you really have to sell players in order to raise cash do you have some cash set aside that you can invest in to take part in ipos without having to sell um and this probably plays a little bit more into understanding your own cash flow but um i'm gonna wait until we see what this new system is i loved the idea of i I think was it sam that said just drop everyone in um, I can't yeah, remember who, yeah, who it was. Sam, Sam who said that. Yeah. If, if they just and, went for a football manager style database. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And it, you know, depending on what the, what happens, I have no idea whether they're still going to drip feed a few through. Is I'm still waiting for a whole load of Premiership players that aren't on the index. I think um, they're going to have to start with those players that it's, are yes. on PB, right, rather than the ones that might not it, be appearing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, but do they drop them all? You know, how what they've done before was they they've done a week block and then they'd set another week in October. Uh, which they now moved to November. I just want one day, just drop them all in. Uh, let's get this over and done with. <laughs> and the quicker it settles, uh, the, the better it is. And we don't have to continue waiting for another week and we see the same cycle going through. Um, just drop these IPOs in, depending on what the mechanics are. But yeah, going back to going back to the question, I'm, my own personal uh, strategy is just to wait on the sides, wait for clarification. I think they've got an announcement first week of November, is it? I can't remember. Maybe um, so, I think it's eleventh of November or something like that. They're gonna they're gonna tell us a bit more about yeah. what this new system is or how it's gonna work. So I'm waiting for that. I certainly think there was a lot of angst about maybe about the way that um, dividends are increased or how you know. And now we've got that kind of yearly dividend review apparently, and I don't know how that's yeah. gonna take shape. The other yeah. side is IPOs, most definitely, where like. I think there was that thing that Mike posted today, which was um, what has stopped your friends joining FI. And for me, yeah. it's three ways, right? Is it legitimate, right? Two, 
why is an X and Y player on? Honestly, I've literally had a colleague message me yeah. like, hey man, honestly. 100%, he, he, yeah. And we've worked together for like nearly two years now. And he was like, hey mate, just finally had a weekend to myself where I can check out some stuff that I've been meaning to do a lot. Um, just jumped on FI. Why isn't like Kamavinga, this player and this player on? And I was just like, honestly, mate, they just haven't put them on there yet. And it's just like, they were just like, oh, well, that's yeah. not good, is it's it? Two, and they it's just, 2019, come on. Yeah, yeah, and they were just like, Get yeah. these players that are already well-known. And, and they, didn't come on. Up, they didn't come onto the platform. And then the third one, yeah. I think, is, oh, it, it sounds like it might take a lot of my time up, which, yeah. the, depending yeah, yeah. on the way you play it, it yeah. doesn't have to. So yeah. I think it's with, uh, those are the three main ones that I've heard. But, sorry, just within the IPO side, if this is actively stopping people staying on the platform, stopping people joining the platform, it's probably their priority at the moment. And I wonder how they're going to... I don't think they're going to open up to every single player, but I wouldn't be surprised no, to see, I, I don't know, 400 players just dumped on one day just so that the PB kind of margins and coffers are aligned a little bit better. Yeah, no, what what's going to happen is whatever they decide to do, you're going to get then you're then going to get the argument of IPOs dilute dividends. They dilute the market. You know, there's less opportunity for these players to win now because there's so you, you're never going to get this kind of one size fits all. It makes everyone happy. That was probably uh, built into the dividend increase, though. I think so. That, that's the point I just was going to come on to. Was I think the dividend increase is probably accommodated for a, a large IPOing. Um, to try and kind of compensate for a lot of, uh, an influx of, of new players added to the in, to the index. Mm. Yeah. Nick, what are your opinions on this? I agree with what Sam said. Really, I think they just need to drop everyone on there. Yeah. You know, let it happen. It's let's get let's get moving. Uh, yeah, let, let's <laughs> get moving. You know, let, let's <laughs> let's get the rockets out. Get the players on. Let's get some money in. Let's get this you know next hundred thousand users in. Um, I just, I just yeah. think if you. By just IPOing like 3,000 players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just get him on. Get him on. <laughs> you know, if, you, if you bought the, the, the latest FIFA and didn't have some of the players on that were in the leagues that they had on FIFA, it would, it would just be like, why have I paid 50 or well, yeah, yeah. you know, 50, 60, yeah. 60, however much the games are to, to have like a half, yeah. you know, half the, the sort of players on there? It just doesn't really make sense to me that especially those playing in PB leagues, that they should definitely be, be on as soon as possible. Yeah, that's, I think that's, that's the, the one. The youngsters, I get, I don't get it, but yeah. it's kind of like, okay, fair enough, that can wait a couple of months. But the guys that are right here, right now playing, um, yeah. I mean, you've got guys like Tamori who were in the in- England squad starting for Chelsea right, in the Champions yeah. League, not on. Yeah, and yeah. not to say that these guys might win a lot of PB, but you might have a Chelsea fan who really wants him for one reason or another. Yeah. 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 To trade in and out. Remember the whole Belfer deal when he was smashing <laughs> them in for um, Hoffenheim yeah. and everyone was like, oh, IPO him, IPO him, IPO him. And then he, by the time he got IPO'd, I don't think he's actually scored. No. And his price is actually, I think it's touching back to his IPO price. So the whole hype around that IPO just kind of gone. Um, so yeah, you only really want an IPO when this player is bang on form. You know, Timori, he debuted with that that volley. Yeah, ridiculous um, goal. And and it was just like, come on, get this guy on the index. You know, they need to be readily available. Whether it's Premiership players or um, Bundesliga or Serie A, they need to be on the index. I think FI eventually, from like a tech and everything standpoint, should be at a point in the future. 
at some point, I don't know when this is, where if a player debuts, right, it should nearly be like request a bet, where if a player debuts or in their squad for the first time, or it's like, you know, Marcus Rashford comes onto the scene um, from nowhere when he wasn't really known that much in the the youth squads. Same with Alex Iwobi, kind of came out of nowhere, no one really knew about him. People should just be like, hey, is he being IPO'd? And if I should just be able to do it the next day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This goes back to the whole. Do you remember the thumbs up, thumbs down? Yeah. Mechanism. You know, to, to be honest, what, isn't that the same thing? Yeah, yeah. I, I think know, it is. A, it's the same thing where we all used to just vote thumbs up who we wanted in the top two hundred or wherever. It and was. I think they alluded, uh, to and they were added like on that. a Friday. Yeah, they alluded yeah. to something like that or something along those lines. Maybe coming back to the index on the pod when they were on my show, but um, it'd be interesting yeah. to see when or if something like that happens yeah yeah uh, what did you guys make of mike's tweet today about why people why they're struggling to uh convince mates to join i kind of my own opinion is, is great question wrong platform or the wrong use of twitter in my opinion i'll quite happily provide feedback by email give me a survey or whatever i need to fit, fill in but to see it all plastered over all day on twitter um, about Ponzi scheme, you know, it's a pyramid scheme, the, the plat website don't work, and managing expectations, all this sort of stuff was just plastered all over my timeline all day today. And it was just a legit question, great thing to be asking. But for me, it was kind of, you know, send out an email to all your customers and link to a survey like they usually do when they're gathering feedback for um, the app or the website or whatever. Or maybe the, but, the focus yeah. groups that they've started now. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just, you know, I, I don't know where it all came from. All of a sudden, I just logged into Twitter and it was just like, Ponzi scheme and <laughs> this doesn't work. And I was just like, what the hell's going on here? And then I read back up to a thread and, it, and there he was, good old Mike, asking... Good questions. Yeah. Wrong platform. Mm, potentially, yeah, I Nick. I taking his password off him, to be honest. But, um, you know, I thought they'd locked his account so he couldn't tweet anymore. But the whole question, I think, was was right. As Investor says, potentially wrong platform. But the saving grace is, you know, Twitter moves so fast. The hashtag will be full of, of, of a different story tonight. And it'll be yeah. gone. And, and if you were unlucky enough to have been researching FI at that point, you will have seen it. But, you know, it'll be, it'll be gone by possibly already. Yeah, yeah. It's basically that Twitter timeline was basically this is what our friends are saying about football index, mm, mm. And, and you know it, it just puts a wrong information. I think one of the responses I read was that the negativity in the FI community, especially on the football index hashtag, and I was just thinking if you scroll up fifty tweets, the whole fifty tweets are all negative and they're all <laughs> full of the word Ponzi, and I'm just thinking, oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can see the what they're trying to do and it's all constructive. It's all you know, Mike said we're trying to collect feedback to help improve our advertising program going forward. Hands down, legit, great, but again, wrong platform to do that. There's a use of social media, not for probably that that sort of question or feedback yeah i think it's good to hear that they're in general trying to get more user feedback on board whether it's the beta site or it's these trader groups that they're doing or email surveys which i think in the last 18 months fi have done far better in that kind of category it's obviously got to ramp up they've gone from gear one to like gear three they're still a bit left to be desired i think in that kind of 
area of communication and kind of feedback loops and so on and so forth. But uh, I'll move us on to the, the next question here from yep. Carport. I think that's from... Yep. Is that from Slack? Yeah, it's from Slack. Uh, yeah. Good old Carport. <laughs> for either. Sorry, Carport. What criteria do you use when deciding whether to sell or hold... And when you decide that you're going to sell, under what circumstances do you instant sell rather than sell to the market? Uh, for me, on you, Nick, why don't you take it yeah, away? For here? me, on this one, I think it depends on the player. Um, some some players, I'm quite happy just to to hold and hold and hold. Um, you know, the more established players, I'm quite happy just to hold them and and let them go their course. Um, for for younger players, it might be first match it might be if they've got an international debut on the horizon different sort of momentous points in the career i guess um you know when it gets to the point that they've got to actually prove that they're going to be either pb reliant or or challenging um but the main one for me really is is fixtures i plan a lot of my sales through fixtures theory being that the more difficult the fixture the less they're going to stand out and the, the quicker people will get bored and and sell before me um uh, instant sell very rarely use it's, it's very much a last resort if something major changes um you know if you if you're picking around fixtures like i say you you should have a decent opportunity to get out if you don't wait until after their last sort of soft game to get out um there should be the opportunity there to sell them to the market rather than than instant sell yeah, I cut that sentiment as well, which is it depends on player to player. Um, I buy some players knowing that you know there's a good fixture coming up in a week or two weeks, and I will set I don't know a 10p, 15p target, and when they hit that target, I listen to market um, on the assumption that you know there's still a few days left before they actually kick off, so that that I can sell while others are buying. Uh, but I don't really sell in. I never really instant sell that often. It's all about timing the sales. Um, I hold longer than I probably should, and deciding on whether to sell. It's a case of I still go back to what Don says. You know, it's a three-year bet. If you bought a player based on research and you know that good 12-month story, uh, the narrative has been built. Let's take Madison, for example, bought him very early on. You know, we're waiting. Even Grealish, Grealish at the moment, probably more of a current hot topic, which is, you know, January transfer window. Uh, you've got this first England cap that um, most people are kind of waiting for. You've then got, if it doesn't happen in January, you've got the summer. So you're setting these kind of little milestones for when you're looking to either sell or review the situation. So that's my approach, which is to kind of look at the player. Uh, what's the short-term selling point? Is it fixtures? If it's not fixtures, is there a move or transfer built in? And then setting yourself some little milestones or price targets. And once they reach that price target, I do list them to market and I do look to offload. I'm not uh, one of these that are kind of, oh, he's still rising. I've got to take him off to market. I could still squeeze another um, penny or two here. Just get rid, move on to the next trade there's plenty of opportunities um to, to make uh, to use your funds to use those funds elsewhere so yeah that, that's kind of my approach to selling it's very much dependent on player to player and, and depending on their situation yeah it's one of the hardest things to do right and yeah it is it is I, i've yeah. made a video called like when to sell and it's you know it gives some tips but at the end of the day 
everyone makes mistakes when selling players too early, buying players too early, buying players too late, etc. I think it just boils down to experience and and how yeah. well you can read the market. And the more you're on but it, even then, even if you're experienced, yeah. you still can't time it. And the way I the way I think about it is, firstly, admit that you're never going to be able to time a trade perfectly never if you have done it on more than you know three or four occasions you're you're a rare rare you know expert trader Uh, the first thing to admit is you're never going to get it right all the time you know hit once you hit that target once you're comfortable with the profit that you generated sell pat yourself on the back and move on to the to the next trade yeah, it's uh, some wise words there. <laughs> Pat yourself <laughs> on the back. Uh, we've got w- one last question here from FI Momentum, who actually DM'd me about this and then asked it on the pod. Please, can you explain how to calculate return on investment correctly for football index traders? No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> yeah, I went to an event once. It was a marketing event and they were talking about ROI. And the guy just said, look, right, what's the return on the investment from your parents? You know, he just basically went off on what is your return of investment? Is it time? Is it money? Is it you know, how do you factor all this sort of stuff in? So it's, it's, it's complex. I think there's a formula that's on Twitter or on Slack or somewhere. I kind of ignore it. I just kind of focus on my own portfolio and profits. Um, and I'm not looking to kind of make any withdrawals at any point anytime soon anyway so yeah it's a bit of a complex complex question so my thing is you've got the very simple like deposits takeaway withdrawals and then you know 0.98 times your portfolio and i'm sure loads of people have figured out that kind of equation i think that's the one that's been yeah yeah shared but the question was more you know when you start withdrawing and your withdrawals maybe equal or exceed your deposits, how do you do it? And it's yeah. a really, really difficult question to answer. It and is. I was saying to you yeah. guys before we jumped on air or went live that a lot of kind of wealth managers and, and these platforms where you get stocks and shares, ISAs, as you were kind of talking about before, Investor, um, what they'll do is they'll give you a few options, right? So if I logged onto my digital ISA, I could see my ROI, as in like just a simple return on investment, but also a time-weighted one and a money-weighted one. Now, from the kind of research that I've done, and I think I uh, sent this back to a couple of people who asked me, how do you work out ROI? And I was like, well, the simple answer is you can't on FI if your withdrawals exceed your uh, deposits or even if they equal them. But have a look at these two things. And I sent them time-weighted and money-weighted. And they just went back to me and said, wow, that's bloody complicated. Because if you look at the formulas that those guys use for those things, they're really, really hard. And you need every single transaction that you've ever done to like accurately work them out, which only FI have, or some traders have, some traders don't. It's going to be something that has to come from the FI side. It's nothing that we can do ourselves unless there's some ridiculously smart mathematicians out there that have all their transaction histories on an excel file and even then you have to update your transactions all the time and if you're not that passive an investor that's it kind of becomes a problem so i think it's one of those things that will be be a black box and i think people need to stop being maybe obsessed with it for the next couple years three years until fi figure out a way to implement one of those two things that i've just mentioned 
No, no, yeah. no more than that, Nick. Mm. Uh, you seemed so keen to talk about ROI when I asked the question. <laughs> you know, I've got a C in maths at GCSE, so I, I don't even really try to understand these things. Um, I just have a simple, a simple calculation <laughs> yes. that I, that I found somewhere online that was very much in line with with what you um, mentioned at the start of this conversation. Um, for me, it's just about the profit at the end of it. That's you know, I'm planning on on what I'm spending yeah. that on already. You know. Um, what that means as a percentage or whatever, yeah. I'm not too fussed. I enjoy, uh, I enjoy it on FI. Uh, you know, the money is is the the extra part of it that that you're going to spend at the end of it. You can, you're not selling the percentages, so I don't worry too much about it. It's just what the profit number is and where I'm going to be able to spend that. I'm the same. Focus on the profit. Um, but just a quick question, Nick: Do you calculate profit based on market sell price or instant sell uh, price? Market sell price. Yeah, just market. I'm the opposite. I, it's kind of an interesting discussion because I think we've had this discussion all um, yeah. with other traders, which is, you know, when you look at profit and what do you use? I use it as instant sell because I want to know what my profit is. If I if beep hits the fan, my get out now. This is what I'm walking away with. Hence why I use instant sell price. But I know a lot of traders out there ask a lot of questions around how do you actually calculate the profit? Should you use market sell price or instant sell price? It's up to you at the end of the day. I prefer instant sell and like Nick uses market sell price. Yeah, as I've said. Yeah, I use market sell as well, actually. Yeah, as I sort of mentioned on the podcast, I've, I've, I've been thinking that there should be, the players that I hold, there should be a, a decent chance to get out of them at a market sell price, um, I don't envisage a scenario where I would need to instant sell the whole portfolio. So um, that's why I just sort of choose to go down that mm. route. Yeah, yeah. Radio, I think uh, we've gone for about an hour and a half. Um, we've been interrupted by Highland a couple of times. I don't <laughs> think we actually missed too many exhilarating games apart from maybe that... 3-2 from Napoli especially as a Liverpool fan thanks for joining Nick on a day where your team are playing where can people find out more about uh, you mostly on on index game to be honest it's just Nick I'm usually in the different channels and I don't use Twitter too much but uh, I am on there and I have no idea what my handle is so <laughs> Nick LFC something like that <laughs> no, you're probably better off on it index is. game to be honest let's have a look it is yeah. Nick underscore oh no it's FI Nick LFC cool. That's, that's one. me. I'm telling you what your yeah, handle is. That, that shows you how much I use. Uh, investor, what about you? <laughs> yeah, I'm on uh, active on Twitter and, and on Slack. Twitter handles DFI Investor, and it's the same on Slack as well. Uh, find me um, on both. Pretty active, helping a lot of traders out on both sides, uh, both platforms. So yeah, look forward to speaking to a few more traders on both platforms. Yeah, it's going to be. Uh, hopefully, people like this one. It's a uh, bit long but um hopefully people enjoy it if you guys are commuting right now have a great commute long drive hope you take those extra two stops on the train and all that jazz uh, just to get those last 10 minutes in before you get home uh, if you're not commuting doing whatever you're doing i hope you enjoy your day making pizza in an oven uh, <laughs> tending to horses in a in the bath scrubbing your toilet whatever it is sorry if we didn't get to answer all your questions there was a lot and we had nick rearranging from you know the not doing the live podcast last Friday uh, and I just want to remember remind everyone that Football Index is a gambling platform only bet what you can afford to lose and when the fun stops stop and you know if it's stressing you out too much then reevaluate where you're expending your time thank you very much everyone for listening and uh, have a great day Music.